Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to a very strange and, and confused and just, you know, really interesting uh, Falcons vs. Bucks NFL Week 7 postgame show. I'm your host, Kevin. I have Falcoholic Kevin. As we get into a game that is one of the ugliest I personally have witnessed, definitely the ugliest win. I've, I've seen uglier Falcons losses, certainly, but I don't think I've seen an uglier Falcons win than this in recent memory, Alan. I think there's one, but it's not recent memory. Do you remember when Matt Ryan got picked? I don't oh, think he yeah, got yeah. picked. No, pick it, it was like five. five yeah, yeah, it was like five it times. Was, they still won. There's a couple of them yeah. reflected. Yeah, but he that was the last one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really bad Cardinals team, but they won, I think, like 19 to 16 or 23 19. It was ugly. Yeah. But this, the reason why I don't think it was as ugly as that is because I thought the team played actually really well. It's just <laughs> catastrophic yep, just, mistakes at the worst period of time. And Yep, yep. Once and again, just, we're yeah. talking about that. Yeah. So yeah. Guys, but nevertheless, uh, like I'm, yeah. I'm actually kind of, I'm kind of happy, which I think we <laughs> kind of should be because the team is currently in first place. It's but a nevertheless, weird... yeah, we have a lot to digest, folks. Yeah. Uh, I'm proudly wearing the jersey of a man who's making his 2023 oh, debut tonight. There Let's go. go, baby. Fly, Eagles, fly. But we're talking about <laughs> nevertheless. Uh, happy to be here. Yes. We've also got with us Jordan Watkins. He's at Big 75. Fella, uh, Jordan, I know you're very conflicted about this game as well. Y'all remember back last year, and obviously the, the expectations this year are much higher than they were last year. We're playing Carolina in Atlanta, and you know we have Rashawn Evans trying to guard PJ. I mean DJ Moore going down the field. They get the touchdown. Then this is an excessive celebration penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct, so that pushes the extra point back. They get the they, they miss the extra point. We go to overtime. We get the interception. They miss a field goal in overtime. We go down, win the game. Where it's just like, okay, cool. We're in first place, but oh my goodness, what in the world is going on? It, it's just crazy that now these last two years, the game that has gotten the Falcons in first place, it, it's just it's un, it's just unfathomable how we got there. I mean, again, I, when I look at this game overall, it should have been a thirty to ten Falcons win. I could say even more. You know, if you want to get a touchdown before halftime, but I'm I'm playing it conservative there, right? With with what happened, and I know we'll get into it more, but that could have been a thirty to ten Falcons win easily. Oh yeah, it should have been. I mean, even like I tweeted it out, it's like, oh, if they just kicked field goals every time they got into Coos range, they'd been winning this game by multiple scores easily. Like that's how bad the mistakes were, and we're gonna dive into that before I I get off track because I know we're about to go into a serious thing. I'm gonna go ahead and get you guys uh, our ad from our sponsor this week betonline.ag folks betonline.ag is of course your source i got some new copy so i'm i'm, I'm riffing here a little bit while i find the new copy but uh yes I, I can't believe it's about it's about baseball as we have a texas showdown in the postseason and betonline is your number one source for all your mlb wagering info with up to the minute stats news scores and matchup breakdowns you can also get the latest odds Game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. They've got everything you need to stay up to speed on each LCS all the way through to the World Series and, of course, with football all the way through the Super Bowl 
and the college football playoff. So make sure to head to that website today, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And then let me get to, we had a pre-show donation. Someone uh, came Uh-oh. in very hot. Uh, Adrian Russ, what's up, Adrian? Uh, he says, I'm only 23, and I don't think my heart can take much more of this. Also, <laughs> this may be a little obvious, but despite the mistakes, Ritter has been looking better and better each week since the Texans. At least the passing game has opened up a bit more. Is Bijan okay? The Bijan situation we'll, we'll get to. I mean, we don't know any details other than that he was sick. That's the, And I think that's really the only explanation that makes sense because apparently he was feeling good enough in warm-ups. Uh, to work, so he must have. I, I mean, I don't know what the hell to tell you about that. I don't think we're gonna uh, get a straight answer. For the final drive too, apparently, which yeah. made no sense. I, I right, oh, man, what, I, I agree. What little soup that did he have? Like, what was the medicine? Like, I don't, I don't know if this was like the Lamar Jackson poop game or something. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, what? Somebody, somebody <laughs> needs to check if the same pizza delivery man yeah. in uh, Salt Lake City for a certain NBA Finals game was in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay last night. Some, I think there was some kind of Saints voodoo on this one. Thankfully. It, it almost worked, but we did escape that one. But yeah, um, no, Adrian, like before we dive into Ritter's mistakes in this one, which were egregious, especially you guys know the one that I was very upset about that I think we're all very upset about that he deserves a, a full segment on that one. But his passing has gotten better. No, full stop. Like as a passer, he has gotten better. The passing game is functional. It's working. That last drive, great job. Like, he deserves credit for the good plays, and he also deserves blame for probably costing the team this game or should have cost the team this game. So maybe we should start with the fumbles. And Jordan, I know you had something to say about the second fumble and Drew Dahlman because Drew Dahlman's been taking a lot of flack, and rightfully so in some cases, but I know you were able to get a better look at that particular fumble, and I know you had some takes on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, for me, it was, I knew this was going to be a tough game. For Drew up front. I'm not saying tough is that he'd be bad. It's just a tough matchup. Vita Vea is one of the best yeah. noses in the league. So that was that. But, you know, when I first watched it, I I mean, I never, especially on a on a center quarterback exchange, I, I can't blame somebody right away for what it is. So I was like, let me see an angle for what's going on. And, and, and again, depending on who you are on um, social media, there's that one person that you're going to blame right away, whether it's Desmond Ritter or it's going to be Drew Dolan. Like that's just how that split up. But no, it was a good snap. And Desmond just messed up. Apparently, someone in the chat again, shout out the chat, um, was talking about that Desmond owned up for it too. That, you know, that that was on him. Looked like he just pulled out from underneath center too quickly. And I also think at the same time, too, if you if if you're going to criticize Drew Dolman uh for the fumble, which again wasn't his fault. You better be quick to praise him as well for the 156 rushing yards the Falcons have, or at least the majority of them, because yeah, he might not be the strongest guy at all time, but when he isn't, I think he's getting he's getting better at learning how to position himself to still open up lanes or cut back lanes. Okay. So, you know, I think overall, the recipe for the Falcons offense of how we want it to look like, this was the game. You're right around 250. Uh, throwing the ball, you're right around 150, maybe a little under, depending on the game, running the ball. And that's a tough run defense they went against today, too. But don't don't yes. get it twisted. Elite. So that yeah. is literally the recipe. But the, the, the thing that's so frustrating, even though you won, is the two places that I think most people have had issues or concerns with about this team so far, your play caller 
and your quarterback with certain turnovers in certain situations. And they popped their, their uh, ugly head up again today. Yeah, it, just so frustrating. And like, I, I thought, you know, without Bijan Robinson, I think we were all wondering, like, okay, is this offense just going to fall to pieces without Bijan Robinson? And and they didn't. Like, to their credit, I, I, Cordero Patterson, I think, has is finally healthy for the first time this good. year. Yeah. And he looked like old Cordero Patterson, like, not old, like, old man Cordero Patterson, like, like the Cordero Patterson of, of yesteryear. And that's huge for this team because it, they needed it. Like they really needed him today with Bijan apparently not feeling well enough to play or not well enough to carry the ball at least. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I want to give the run game credit because it, it did finally start to work today after not really working at all. And it, and they did it against the toughest run defense they've played since Jacksonville. Um, so they do deserve a, a big, a big props for that, the offense, but it's just, man, like really we just have to get on Ritter because like I think the problems with the offense today were were Ritter and like to Ritter's credit he drove them down the field and got them that field goal at the end of the game to win this one but like that that shouldn't have even been necessary they should have been winning this game by 10 points 20 points easily easily like even if they just kicked the field goals they would have been winning this game by 12 points at the end of this game so it, yeah man like I the first one it's like okay you know that was the first one I I that was the offensive line like the the offensive yeah. line got crushed. Yes. He didn't really have anywhere to go. He tried to get that ball out, and and it was just that was not his fault. The second Stack one, you know yeah. where else? You know where else that comes in? Like you're 100 yeah. right about the the uh, offensive line on that individual play. Yeah. Here's where I got frustrated though. First off, what play did we call right beforehand? You just like if, 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 if Dijon can't go <laughs> with what we're talking about, you right. try to send him out to the flat on some window dressing, and then you throw a screen to Keith Smith. Yeah, and Bijan was point, wide open. <laughs> but, but it's the thing. He, he was wide open, but he was never the intended no. receiver no. on that play. So my no. thing is, okay, right there, second down, yeah. your play didn't work. Then on third down, you spread everybody out. You know Shaq Barrett's on one side. You have a rookie guard on the other side. And again, I love Matthew Bergeron. I, I think he's going to be a great pro. But you put those two guys on islands – with timing routes all around the field, just look, your second down play, you thought you were going to have the, uh -huh, we got him here kind of play. You didn't have him. Run the ball, take the points, go for the two for one out of the half, and you're good. But no, you didn't do that. And so that's why, again, as much as that play individual was on the offensive line, yes, it was. That whole sequence of why it didn't work is on the play caller. Yeah. No, I agree. Like the, the, Keith Smith like shovel. I don't even know what the hell that was. I I'm not. I love the players. <laughs> yeah. Like they love featuring John Smith so much. Like that's a classic John yeah, Smith screen. Yeah. They ran the, the secret weapon. Yeah. And like he makes plays after the catch. So like, even though I think Tampa Bay did a good job defending it, it's still like Keith Smith really. <laughs> Just weird man. Just weird stuff there. I. Yeah, that that whole series was doomed. Like they just screwed that whole series up from the beginning with the play calling. Um, and then the second one, like. Again, like what Jordan was saying, Ritter under center, you got to get that snap. That's that's not Dalman's fault in that scenario. That that's Ritter's fault. So you got to you got to handle that snap better and get that playoff and at least just not turn the ball over. Like even if you don't get the touchdown, just get the field goal. It's completely you know. So uh you're at the one yard line. You better score a touchdown. I mean, for God's sake, I hope so. But like, geez, at this point, I'll just take field goals. Like literally, if they just kick field goals, they win games. So. <laughs> Drake London didn't flip in the air and do everything possible to not score a touchdown there, which, mm. oh, man, that would have been dicey. That's, that's a classic Bill Belichick is benching you for two series type of yeah. move by Drake yeah. London there. Exactly. But, so, uh, but yeah, yeah. The, the biggest one for me is is the one that everyone's going to focus on, which is 
Rivers rushing touchdown should have been a rushing touchdown. He has all the space. He's out there. If he just like puts on 80% of the gas, 90% of the gas, he's in easily, but he lets up and just casually strolls into the end zone. And guess what? It's a touchback. And that is, I just don't know what the hell you're thinking. Like this is the NFL. Like, why do you think you can get away with something like that? Like, why are you showboating? Like, why are you relaxing? Like, you've turned, you fumbled the ball twice in this game, and you had three turnovers last week. Yeah. Like, how do you have arrogance <laughs> there against a battle-tested defense, a defense that still has a decent amount of players yeah. from their Super Bowl-winning team? Antoine Winfield's one of the top playmakers in the league. You know he flies around the ball. We know how Levante David is, uh, Devin White. Like these guys fly the ball. Like no urgency. It's just it's baffling because. Desmond Rivers should be very thankful Arthur Smith knows how to create these uh, read options in the red zone because Tannehill scored on about four or five of these yeah. during their time in Tennessee. Like, the timing, the execution, like, everything was well-aligned there. And for Ritter to just take the gas off the pedal there and just be complacent, it's it's one of the most catastrophic, unacceptable mistakes I think I've ever seen from a Falcons player. This is up there with D'Angelo Hall not banging the ball down that Hail Mary. Oh, this gosh. is um, I don't know. This is gonna be a lot of feelings. This is like yeah, the, 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 the we could go on and on about the Falcons miscues in, in the yeah. past history. Harry like, Douglas not, turf monster in the NFC Lions game. Like Harry Douglas Neal turf monster one against yep, off yep. Of his knee against in the against the Eagles in the NFC yep, the in the playoffs. Key. Keanu uh, knee putt. I and, think that uh, was more fluky, man. I think that was more, more fluky. Yeah, but yeah, like still, I don't think like it, it was a there. bad play, but I don't. I mean, it's it, like it's the same thing you say to receivers, and I, I get it. You can say, well, there's a reason why he's a DB. Don't jump in the air when you don't yeah, have to. Just that. catch the ball, and we would have been fine. But but these again, I'll, I'll say this, times, man. Yeah, crucial, no, I, crucial. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And here's the thing for me: I had a strength coach, you know, when when we were at Stanford. And he always used to say this when we were doing conditioning. And I'm sure if anyone else has played sports at a high level, you've heard a coach say this too. You don't run to the line. You run through the line. Yep. Exactly for reasons like that. Like, look, give Antoine Wolf a credit. I want to say maybe he's from the Atlanta area. I believe so. Like, of course, he wants to make a play. He didn't give up on it. You give him credit. I mean, I said this when it happened. At the end of the day, one player quit on the play. The other didn't. Yeah. Until you're crossing the end zone. I mean, we see this. In so many different fashions, in so many different ways, right? We've seen Deshaun Jackson do it so many times. I know this is going to anger some Georgia fans if you're out there. We saw Tyron Matthew do it in an SEC championship on a punt return against Georgia. It didn't get called, but he flipped the ball to the referee when he was at the one-yard line. He didn't score. You see all the time, all these people that don't go across the goal line, and they pay for it. Even Falcons fans. You remember when Cam Newton got popped? I believe it was a two-point conversion. Great call. He didn't go all the way through. Deion you set Jones. yourself up for things like that. Yes. Just run all the way through the goal line. I don't care about your style points. I mean, you even saw in the replay a couple of things there. Balls in the inside hand. That's a no-no. And yep. then again, usually when you're crossing a goal line and you're over there by the corner, your eyes are inside. You got to yeah. make sure there's nobody right there to make the play. Desmond Ritter's even eyes look. were ahead of him. Yeah, he didn't even care. Yeah, he and and Raymond James, if you've never been there before, the, the video board, it's right in the center of both the end zones. So if he's looking up, he's not looking at anything important, right? He would have still have to look somewhat inside to see somebody coming his way. And he yeah. wasn't doing that. So just no. finish the play, man. Yes. You, had a, you had a great drive. I yeah. know you didn't throw the ball that much on that drive, but that was one of those gotta have it. Cleveland Browns kind of drives from last year. I know a lot of people are questioning you. I know I don't know. I don't want to speak for the defense right now, but I do know when defenses get frustrated when they have certain games 
and the offense can't put put points on the board to back that up. So there's your chance to have that drive when you got to have it. You had it, and because you didn't finish the play out, that's where the defense has to come out there and try to save the day. Yeah, again. that should have cost you the game. Like, and, and like to me, that's a benchable play. Like that, not maybe not permanently, but like, man, the just the. I mean, it it just looks bad on so I'm many sure. levels. Yeah, and it it's just like, man, you you can't do that. This team is three and three. This is a critical yeah. division game, and you're celebrating when we're tied, like running into the end zone, like you're some kind of badass. No. You, you're an asshole, you know. <laughs> what would what would you know? What would uh, Keith Armstrong say? You're not good enough to be an asshole. Don't be an asshole with the football. Like, hold that fucking ball yeah, and get it into the end zone. Like, this is not a joke. Like, you're you're on thin ice. Like the the fan base, half the fan base already hates you, Ritter. Like they genuinely dislike you, which I don't think is fair, and I don't think that's cool. But like, you're you're on thin ice, man. Like, how are you like, arrogant? You've had one really good game that you're this whole season, the Houston game. You're calling yeah. this inexplicable performance against the Commanders. Like it's just, it's frustrating. Yeah. And you know what hurts? Like Ritter, we were talking about before as a passer. I thought played fairly well. There was only maybe yeah. two bad throws. Could have got picked off by Levante David after he was staring down Pitts, and he missed London on. It should have been a back shoulder throw. He put it to. Uh, uh, forward towards London gave the DB an easy play to make on the ball. But besides that, missing a touchdown, maybe getting picked off once, but otherwise I thought Ritter was in rhythm and yeah. he made some guts plays. Like that throws a passer, yes. Like he's getting yeah. better. Like that's the thing. It's like it's like one step forward, two steps back every week. It's like some new goddamn disaster happens on the field every week, even though we're making progress. It's like that that shit has to stop. Like and but the biggest issue is like the progress that's being made is not big enough to outlast the catastrophic mistakes. Like Ritter's not throwing touchdowns right now. He's playing fairly well as a passer, but the turnovers, it's just yeah, you're single handedly crushing the game the team because man, we're gonna talk about the defense. Like, we're gonna have a <laughs> yes. fantastic time talking about this defense yeah. and the skill position players make things happen. How about Scotty Miller? Perfect yeah, the Scotty Miller bomb revenge move. game. Yeah. I never so, referenced I mean, that all week. That was just there all week, and I just can't believe I mean, it. I, I never to touched it. To be fair, it. they brought Van Jefferson to be the deep threat. Scotty yeah. Miller was not, and Scotty Miller said, hey, I'm still here, so I'm, I'm going to show off for at least one play. But uh, I think that's like the frustrating thing about Ray. It's just this offense is moving the ball. It's coming together. Pass protection-wise, I thought they held up really nicely against a very good Tampa front other than a few – Bad yeah. moments. That first fumble and, was bad. Yeah, that, that one was bad. Yeah, uh, I, like com- compared to like games against Detroit and Jacksonville, and even opening week against Carolina, like this offense line starting to make some serious progress from a pass protection standpoint. So yeah. like this game really just falls on Ritter. Like I, I hate to beat like a dead horse, but it's just you can't be this immature and this arrogant. It's just, like this team is good. Yeah. This team needs to win this division. They should be. Like, they should be winning this. They should have dominated this game. Like, if anyone was questioning whether the Bucks were like actually a secretly like spicy team, this game should tell you the Bucks are not good. Like, this Bucks team is not good. Like, they are not. Like, I, think they could beat. I don't know about them not being not good. I think they're, they're not beat. good, Alan. They're not good. Like, I feel like they have enough stars though. Like, I, I, we don't got to get started, but like guys like Evans, Godwin, <laughs> Winkler Jr., Vea, like they got enough guys who are just like, all right, sure. they can compete. I mean, I don't think I'll, they're they can't beat I'll the Falcons when they turn it over three times at the one uh, right. at home. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they got Baker Mayfield and less than saying. I mean, I'll, 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 it's hard. Yeah, their it's defense hard, is right? good. Like, their I, defense is good. Well, and this is what scratches 
makes everyone want to scratch their head and just pull their hair out about the Falcons this year. I think two things can be true. Could Tampa still end up being a solid team? Yes, they could. Should the I think Falcons solid be is a reasonable. Better team? Yeah. Should the yeah. Falcons be a much better team than what they are right now? That's the biggest part about all of this, right? Like yes. I think that's the thing where it's so hard to to say certain things about other teams just because of what we do and how we shoot ourselves in the foot. We can say what we want about Jacksonville, and I get it. They just beat the Saints. We shot ourselves in the foot in that London game. We can say what we want to about Detroit. We shot ourselves in the foot in that game too. That's they were, what makes they were it in position so hard in right that now. game. Yeah, like that's the thing. Well, You're that's so right. That, that, like, that's what makes it so hard right now. One for me to say, oh, this is a good team. This is a good team just because of what we do or don't do against them. Yeah. That's no, commanders that, beat us. I'm not going to say the commanders are a good team. But uh-huh. at the same time, if I have to keep going back to this, I guess that's the truth about what the Falcons are in terms of a good team or not. Yeah. And I told both of y'all, you know, before we came on live, it's they remind me not record wise, not talent wise, how they play just in terms of you look at the record and oh, my goodness, like so many of <laughs> your games can go one way or the other. But you're first in your division. So people might, you know, they look at it one way or another. You remember what everyone was saying about the Minnesota Vikings last year? Yeah, that don't believe the record and what it says. It doesn't tell the whole story right now. And I know this is foreshadowing because we just finished our seventh game. This it, it's just like for whether it's for you want the record to be better or you want the record to be worse. The story of what the Falcons do and how they play football is not in the record right now. And I no. still think they play better football overall than what their record shows. But the record is what it is. I thought last year the Vikings played worse football than what the oh, record yeah. showed. And that's why they lost when they did to the Giants in the postseason. Oh, yeah. That's the first ever team to have a negative point differential with a with 13 wins. I I that should not be possible, but it's because they got blown out in all their losses. But yeah, I mean, it, it. this is a frustrating team. Like, I mean, there's no question about it, but it's it's like, I wish this is, we had gotten this stuff out of our out of our system last year. Like, and we weren't pretending that Marcus Mariota could get us to the playoffs. So we just put Ritter in and, and let him learn this type of stuff. Like, let, honestly, like, I, I don't think Ritter's going to make this mistake again with this running into the end zone. Like, this is the type of thing that is forever plastered in your mind. And like, if he had lost this game, this, that, that could be one of the story points of his career where he fumbles this ball going to the end zone, the Falcons lose to the bucks. And then they end up missing the playoffs because of that stupid shit. Like, thankfully that doesn't happen, but like he better not forget this. That better be the last we hear uh, of this type of idiocy from Ritter. And like, he's a young quarterback, like you're going to make mistakes, but it's like, I would have rather they'd done this last year. We can't go back and change that. But it's like we're 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 dicking around with this offense finding its footing when they they could be four I think they could be four games ahead of where they are now offensively if if they hadn't been so stupid with how they handled quarterback last year. But I mean there's no point in complaining about that now. Like it's yeah, just Yeah, let's not prong the past. It's it's just there's it's nothing we can do about that, but I think that was a huge mistake. I I think we're all in agreement on that. But the past is the past. And like I do want to before we go to the defense, like the offense is like in terms of like moving the ball so much better than weeks three and four. Like they're light years ahead. Like this offense is functional. Now it's, it's getting into the red zone a lot. They had like six red zone trips in this game. They just screwed it up over and over and over again, three times inside the 10, they, they choked the ball away. And it's like, obviously you can't have that, but it's better than not getting down there in the first place. Cause at least you're moving the ball. So they got to stop this. Like, and, and, this is a like this is the part of your schedule now where you need to start banking some wins against these teams like the, the Tennessee Titans, Arizona Cardinals. Like you, you've got 
Vikings. The Vikings. Like, you've got a chance to, to even though you've played the most inconsistent football of probably any, not on defense, the defense is absolved. You've played the most inconsistent offensive football of probably any team in the NFL through seven games. And you could win your next three games and go into the bye with one of the probably the best records in the NFC, not counting like San Francisco or Philadelphia. Like that is not out of the question, but like, can we trust this team to, to do that? Can they, is it even possible for them to stop screwing up? Like, it seems like it's in their blood at this point with how many ways they're finding to screw the, screw things up on a week to week basis. No, you're, you're hundred percent right. And I just want to shout, uh, point this out. Shout out to uh, Mike Conti. He's the one that, um, that, that, that posted this. So, Falcons today in the red zone or we're one for five, right? You, you leave your one for five at scoring in the red zone, you're going to lose games. But oh, yeah. if you want to go back to last week, they're now one for six. Here are those plays. Interception, touchdown, field goal, fumble, fumble, fumble. Yep. That's losing football. Yeah. We can, and we, and we can talk about how well they're moving the ball all we want, and you're 100% correct. They're at 6.3 yards per play today. You can work with that and live with that. But if you can't get it done in the red zone, you have problems. And, again, I'm not putting all this on Arthur Smith because it wasn't. Like, again, two, the two fumbles today were on Desmond Ritter. The first fumble um, was on was on Arthur Smith, the one right before halftime, where I yes. said, hey, look, let's get two for one. And you're, you're looking, you know, you're looking golden. But – it's just it's just so frustrating, and I'm not going to do like, a, oh, it's 50% here, 50% there thing on this. I'm not. I'm just saying that the two main culprits that we can point to of why we don't do certain things in the red zone, again, are the two people that have the most influence on your offense. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yep. And, like, we just got to hope that, that this stuff with Ritter is in the past because, like, the, man, like, if, if he could eliminate these turnovers, like, he's not that far off from being like, this is this guy's interesting, like, the passing is starting to work. He's he's showing some rushing ability. He should have had two rushing touchdowns in this game. Like it he's not that far off from like being like maybe we should be like if he had not just screwed the pooch this game with these turnovers. Like people are probably feeling pretty good about Ritter coming out of this like oh, he's starting to show some stuff. And like instead we have to talk about the fumbles, the turnovers again. Um, but like, man, like you're, you're fighting for your NFL future. Like if you screw this season up and you don't prove it, you're probably not getting another NFL chance to start again. Like you're a third round pick from Cincinnati. Who's running out to give you a starting job if you don't prove it this year. So, and, and, and with that, look, I want to, I do want to give Des some credit for this. I, I do. Yes. Uh, I think someone highlighted before he already has three game winning drives this year. Yes. And even in this game, you saw it. Once uh, I think we got the Richie Grant interception, three straight run plays. It almost felt like Arthur Smith's like, look, I'm not putting this in your hands to determine how this game's going to go. That That's what it yeah. felt like. I was, I was actually shocked or concerned when we got the Onyemata sack on the last offensive drive. I sat there. I was like, let me see if he uses this time out here. Like I'm screaming from my living room, right? Time out, time out, time out, time out. But if you didn't call a time out there, I think that was going to be really telling. Um, obviously he did. That first throw to Cal Pitts should have been there, should have been a completion. But then that next throw, you got to have it. He makes the play. Like, I will give this dude credit. Whatever mistakes he makes, misses he has, he has this ability, and I do think it's important to, to turn around and, and, and make something happen when, when you got to have it. So I do want to give him that credit. 
Uh, I know there's the interception in the Commanders game, but still, like, I, I if I'm going to be yes. critical of him, I do want to praise him for that regard in this game too. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they like, three, yeah, go ahead, Alan. Yeah. Three timeouts. Like, if Smith didn't use one of those timeouts, that's just malpractice. Like, you have three timeouts. What are you saving for? You might as well. I agree. Take the opportunity. So, like, when Ayma got that sack, I'm just like, all right, look, you you still could steal. You got to take like, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like to me, I don't care how bad your quarterback's playing. Like, you're the throwaway timeouts like that after defense response once again it's just like come on but uh yeah yeah no i mean no no you're and he deserves credit for for what he did to win this game too like we're not just here to bash ritter or to just praise ritter like we gave you the bad and and the good is there like he's coming along as a passer he's reading the field better he did have that one turnover worthy throw um levante david almost got his hands on didn't end up happening and and like, that's going to happen to all quarterbacks. All quarterbacks are going to put the ball in harm's way sometimes. You just can't do it frequently. Um, and, like, I thought he he ran well in this game. He, he easily had that rushing touchdown. Like, he, he just pulled up. And we, we're not going to belabor that anymore. But, like, you can see the rushing ability. He's clearly got speed. Like, he's got speed. He's learning better about when to just tuck and run and use that speed to pick up yardage and, and not get stuck in, you know, third and longs with all these incompletions. And, like... You've seen it. He's got big boy ability at the end of the game. He's he's a, he's he's clutch. Like he is. He, he typically is. Other than that Washington game, which look, I thought he was going to pull it off. I was like, oh, fourth quarter game winning drive, Ritter. He's been really good. I think he's going to pull this off. Probably should have pulled it off, but he doesn't. You know, and, and it bites the team and they lose. But like he has done it. And, and as as frustrating as this team has been in the fourth quarter for years, finally, this is a team that's winning the fourth quarter and winning it hard. Like, they are dominating the fourth quarter. And that is typically a trait that you see from teams that outperform because they, they when, it, when they have to have it, they get it done. Now, obviously, it's nice if you can get it done, you know, other times too and not just desperately at the end of a game. But, like, it's nice to see this team play their best ball when, when the game is on the line. Um and Ritter's part of that too. Like to his credit, he he has done what he what he needs to do on game winning drives multiple times this season as a rookie quarterback. I believe he he's leading the league in game winning drives at this point or something like that. So, um, or something like that. Like it's close. Now that also means that you're never winning. You know, <laughs> like to have the game winning drive that means you have to be behind uh, or tied. But so you know that that's part of it too. But, um he's clearly got something like he, he's got the mojo. He's got the moxie, you know, whatever it is, he's got it. But like now he just needs to lose it with the turnovers and then we're all good. So he had a 19 yard run where it was a bad snap from Dahlman. He called on his left and just the decisiveness where he just read where the running lane was and just took it. And I think that's just want to see, like he's playing with more conviction, which he didn't see against Jacksonville or Detroit, and I think that's like one of the more positive things. Yes, I want to highlight three offensive players. So we've talked a lot about Ritter, but I think Tyler Algier deserves a lot of praise for his yeah. game. Not the most efficient game, but just some of the hard running, a couple of nice cutbacks on those counters worked really nicely. I thought Caleb McGarry made a huge impact in the run game. Him and Dalman had some nice moments because uh, there was, I think, two, there was what could have been the 93 yard scoring drive, which ultimately turned to be the fumble. But they went down the field and. Yeah. Outside of the impressive outstructure play that Ritter made to Algier, they were running the ball really effectively. And Kyle Pitts, not his best statistical game, but he's still now you're seeing reestablish himself as like one of the primary players in the passing game. Like he's no more of an afterthought. He's not someone where he's looking like he's lost. Like, no, he is 
now finally being featured, whether it's on, you know, the, the drags or just on crosses, but like that last play, it was just great to see. And we got to say this, like, I thought it was a six-yard catch, but it turned out to be only three yards. He's got the greatest three-yard catch in NFL history. Like, that catch <laughs> is amazing. That's the best way to happen. I'm, I'm looking forward to finding that. But, man, what, what an absurd catch. And it's just it, – I guess it wasn't his best statistical game, but you could tell Kyle Pitts, like, he's finally, like, back in the offense where we're not yeah. concerned. We don't have to hear about ridiculous trade rumors or, oh, this guy's a bust. Like, okay, stats might not be up there with the best tight ends, but – He's clearly hugely influential in this offense. And, you know, it's cool to see him and John both mixing yeah. and matching. Like, John Smith, once again, another solid game. So, uh, Falcons offense overall, man. I know, look, we're going to harp on Ritter and understandably so, but there was a lot of encouraging things to come yes. out of this one. And it's like, what's most frustrating about it? And then I got to take a break to get to some of these donations because I know you guys have a lot of questions. We want to make sure we get to those too. Um, and defense. Yeah, yeah. And the defense. They deserve a lot of props. Um, yeah. It, for, for unlike last year, and the reason I feel a lot better about this team, the reason I felt better about this team going into this week is like, unlike last year, like they do have the talent, like they do have the talent on both sides of the ball that we should expect them to be better. Like last year, it was like, wow, they've won seven games. I'm shocked because of how little talent they have, especially on the defensive side of the football. This year, it's not like that. Like they do have the talent. They should be better. And they they can get better. This is not a situation where it's like, oh, well, we just don't have the horses to to win. Like, we don't have the horses on offense. We don't have the horses on defense. We, we can't compete with the better teams in the NFL. This year, it's not the case. Like, it is, they, they literally do have the pieces. It's just, now it's just them holding them back. And as frustrating as that is to watch, and it's incredibly frustrating, at least when you're just being out-talented, you're like, well... They're just better than us, and there's something we can do. When it's your fault, it's it, you get pissed, you get angry, but you can fix it. Like you can, you can, you can fix these problems. You can't fix a lack of talent. So that's the one thing we can hang our head on with the offense is it, it, they're fixing things a little bit at a time. The run game woke up to, again today. That was something we harped on last week and over the last couple weeks. And look, it, it they can fix this. Like they can, and and they have to if they want to be taken seriously, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a different experience to see this team actually be talented and to be held back by mistakes. Because I think for a long time, we were seeing this team under Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot working with this disastrous roster left to them by Dimitrov and Quinn, you know, being kept around too long. I'm not going to bring, bring up ancient history here, but like they finally have the roster to compete and they're, I, I, is, this is competing, I guess. Technically, they're four and three. They're their first place oh, in the yeah. division, so I guess it's technically competing. It's it's ugly as hell, but like it, this this shouldn't be what we expect. Like th- we should expect a lot more. And I think it's not unrealistic to think that they can get there. But like how quickly they get there will determine a lot about where this team is going to be when the dust clears on this season. Um. All right, let me get to some of these donations. Thanks, guys, so much for that. Ray Moon with the $2. How bad is Dolman? I don't think he's that bad. Now, the snapping, is, we got we got to get that cleaned up. But that one fumble in this game, as Jordan said, I, I agree with him. I don't think that's his fault. Um, we got Justin Knight with the $5. Another dub. Indeed, my my Knight compatriot, Justin Knight here. Um, <laughs> and I, I respect Ritter for having the biggest balls on planet Earth on that last drive, even after the terrible fumble that should have cost him the game. Yeah, I mean... Again, like, 
it takes it takes a lot to shake that off and come back out and win the football game. That's what he did. So at least he did that. Like I'm I'm not gonna ding him twice. Like Ritter, you did the right thing. You came back and you won the game. Let's just cut down on the crap. Okay, that's all. Uh, <laughs> we got George Costanza with the three dollars. He says this team is so. I don't even know how to describe it. I, I am a Ritter hater, but you can't blame him for the fumble before the, ha- the half when Bergeron didn't even block. Ritter with that throw to put to Pitts to put us in field goal range at the end of the game. Uh, just throw to Pitts. Yeah, I mean, good things seem to happen. And Pitts is finally starting to get healthy, it seems like. Like, he's not 100% yet, but he's getting closer. And he's starting to... I think he could, You can see the confidence is coming back to him. And that's that's beautiful to see. Same thing with Cordero Patterson. Finally looks healthy. Um, and then we got... Falcon fan 323. What's up, man? Or woman? Don't know. Fan, you know, whatever. Uh, with the $5, thank you. There are women that like football. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We appreciate you, all you guys. Uh, non binary, whatever. Uh, we appreciate everybody, all Falcons fans. Um, with the $5, uh, I think this is the best defense the Falcons have had since I started being a fan in 2007. I, I think you're right. I think this is better than 2017's defense. Um, we'll see if it continues, but. What do you guys think? That's, 2012. Yeah. We might have to consider 2012 in this too. I think statistically 2012s was like not that great, but they played really well in clutch moments. So okay. like, it, so it's, they, they were good. Like 2012 was one of the only good defenses of the Matt Ryan era. So I don't want to like, uh-huh. I don't want to like harsh them. Like they deserve their, their credit, but. When yeah, you can we just if, five times in a game, <laughs> your levels go up like fifteen percent. Yeah, yeah, that that earns you a can lot. We, well, can we just when we make that comparison to talking about defenses, we have to look at the offenses that that are there too, because that's such a big part of this. Like this defense, and again, I don't know all the numbers for some of the most recent defenses for the Falcons off the top of my head. Right, we talk about 2012, 2017. but we do know off the top of our head how many times that this defense has to bail out whether it's turnovers, three and outs, short fields, you name it for this offense. So, I mean, it's a good, it's a good question. It's, it's a good debate topic. I think so. And yeah, I mean, obviously we only have half a season here, but yeah, I mean, I, I think they have a, they have a, a, a claim certainly to being the best decade of the last 10, or the best defense of the last decade, I should say. Um, and we'll see how it plays out. But yes, it's even more impressive given how often the offense turns the ball over. Like last week, holding the commanders to that score despite all the turnovers is just really impressive. This week, even better, despite all the turnovers. Like they deserve so much props for that. Like they they are they are quite literally willing this team to victory. They're like dragging the offense along. Like, no, you're going to score another field goal. We're going to get out of here with the dub. Like you just get your ass into the end zone. Let's go. Like they're just like pulling them along. But Sometimes you need that. Like sometimes one part of your team is struggling, the other has to lift them up. And and sooner or later the Falcons offense is going to have to return the favor and, and hopefully they will be able to do that. Um we got Jonathan Moxley with the two dollars. What's up, Jonathan? He says, Falcons win despite their best efforts to lose. Yeah. You know, it it's again, it's ugly as hell, but look, it could be a loss. So like we take it. Like, but we're here to we're here to break down the game. Like, yes, we're happy they won. I know. Like we we are happy. Like to everyone, just in case there was any question about that. We are happy they won. Yes. And like, it's a division game. They're always wacky, whatever. But we're here to critique and, and, and to analyze. And like, it was an ugly ass game. So like, we, but but I think most of the negativity is probably done because we're about to move to the defense. But... <laughs> and Kevin, I'm shocked you mentioned since you're you're the home road guy. This is Desert Raiders' yeah. first ever We broke the win. streak. We broke both the streaks in the seven days. Impossible, but hey, yeah. we did it. 
look, you got to get you got to get that that you know demon off your back or whatever. So uh, g- good for him to to break it. Uh, it was it was hella ugly, you know. But we we got the dub and and division games, especially a road division game like this, you just take that dub like you need it. Uh, and and this this like we haven't even gotten into the implications of this game yet because we we needed to get to the negatives. But we're gonna get to the positives, guys. So just so stick with us here. Um, <clears throat> we got Moonstar with the five dollars. So Moonstar says Bijan had the runs, just not on the field. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh god, yeah. I was hoping this would be like the Lamar poop game where he like comes back and just like just it lights up the scoreboard. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, hopefully oh, he he's okay. All right. Yeah. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, we got Diego Simon for the first time. What's up, Diego? Uh, with the PEN $20. I don't know what type of currency that is. Uh, if D- Diego, if you're still here, let me know. I've never seen that before. But thank you. Well, however much that is, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, he says, Ritter played well. It's very bad luck on a short negative variance. And I'll give credit to Arthur Smith. I think he's been calling better games overall. And of course, credit to Terry Fontenot. He's given us a great defense after just one free agency period with cap space. Yeah. Can't disagree with you there. Um, all right. Let me get to, to one more here from Magnus Wyrod. That's a sweet name uh, with $2. He says, this was by far their best offensive performance of the season overall, statistically speaking. 156 yards rushing, 10 yards per attempt in the passing game, only two punts, five goal to go possession. Anyone who puts this whole game on the offense as a whole is making us all dumber. Yes, you're absolutely correct. The offense as a whole was not at fault. I, I think we've done a good job at saying that, but just in case that wasn't clear. Um, I'm still going to the Houston game as their best overall performance. I Yeah, that would felt better, certainly, yeah. <laughs> because there were fewer mistakes, but yeah. Um, I would argue moving the ball-wise. Yeah. This is, like I said, if you want to say Houston was the best game, cool, got you. I still think that moving the excuse me, moving the ball wise, this is the blueprint for how if you look at a Falcons game at the end of the day, like I said, 250 in the air, 150 on the ground. That's how you want it to look. So because that is what I think most of us expected, right? Like I know Des he threw for 300 in the Houston game, which is great. At the same time, it's I don't want to go into every week thinking and hope it doesn't Ritter has a throw for 300 plus for us to win a game. Again, I still think. 230 250 is that sweet spot for him and then you you're supposed to dance with the you know the person that you brought with you which is supposed to be the run game so yeah if you can go 125 150 on the ground that's what it's supposed to look like again it's just frustrating at the turnovers and where we had them yeah exactly um and I, I don't disagree with you there at all uh let's get to the positive the defense once again defense came to play played their asses off it wasn't perfect but, like, that's the thing with NFL defense that I think people don't realize is, like, every defense is going to give up frustrating plays. It's just the nature of the game. Like, you're going to – there's going to be a coverage bust. There's going to be a receiver just like that Mike Evans play. Shit's going to happen. You're going to miss a tackle, and a guy's going to gonna get a big yardage. But what matters is how do you respond? Like, at the end of the day, how many points do you allow? I don't care how ugly it looks or if you give up plays here and there or you miss some tackles. Like, did you keep them out of the end zone? Did you limit their yardage? Did you limit their ability to score points? And and this defense has flying colors on that. Like, it's not always beautiful. They don't. They miss. They've missed a lot of sacks. <laughs> you can tell that that the edge presence, not necessarily like that's the one weakness here. And there's another question about you know potential trade moves to to talk about. And you guys know who I'm going to talk about, but we'll save that until the end of the show. But 
they they just get it done, Jordan. And I know you're excited about it. About one thing in particular, probably, which is Calais Campbell playing more snaps on the inside. I know I'm sure you noticed that in this game. Well, I mean, look, he had a sack and a forced fumble this game. And honestly, I was gonna go a different direction, but same, same group. Mm-hmm. And I know we've we've gone on him a good bit. First, first half a little bit shaky, but there was one drive. I think it was mid third quarter where the second unit of the defensive line did a good job, especially on a third and one. I know yeah. Kate Nellis came in to get the TFL. The reason why is because there was nowhere for um, for Rashad White to run the ball. Zach Harrison crashed in. He cuts off the B gap. Kate Nellis flies in as you know the great linebacker that he is. So that that was was really impressive to me. I know we've talked so much about the depth on the back end, and very rightfully so. But what like what I like to see is, you know, I saw that unit start to make some plays. You know, you saw the fumble recovery up front. I saw Taquan Graham start to win a little bit more as well in this game. Yeah. And, you know, and again, at the end of the day, if you can give some of those dudes that we have in that first group a couple more plays here or there, that's just going to be and mean so much more for this defense the rest of the way. Um, and then also I want to shout out once again, Nate Lamon. Um, yeah. you yeah. know. Forcing the fumble. First off, look, if you're only about 155 pounds playing in the NFL, don't cut the ball back to the inside. <laughs> yeah, the just take yards. your don't yards. Take your yards. Don't do it. Take the yards and get down. Yeah. Look at what uh, Tyler Lockett has done for years in Seattle. If you don't see anything there, just get down. But yeah. I'll take it in this regard, right? But then also, it was a second and 17 play later on in the game where he was matched up against uh, Chris Godwin. Now, if anyone wants to critique of like, hey, that should have been a hold. He tugged the shirt. Look, I, I don't know what is or what isn't. Uh, a they were calling so day. many That's like so many weekends yeah, in this like one. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah I, I just I don't just, know. But I will say the fact that as soon as Gowan made that catch, he couldn't separate from Nate Lamb and he was there to make the tackle was a huge play to me. And so, uh, again, just shout out to him. He's still doing a phenomenal job in, in the middle of this defense. He's just yeah. savvy, man. Like, he is always Love in it. the right position. And it's some of those moves. Like, yeah, I thought it was a hold, but you know what? He covered up nicely. And even the run game, it just – I love the fact – and I, once again, not trying to throw on the pass, but him and Ellis just – they take on blocks. They're crashing running lanes. There's nothing finesse about these guys. They're not the greatest athletes, but you know what? They're ready to bang. And, like, a third down stop, like you mentioned, I thought Landman was a big part of that as well, along with Harrison and Ellis. Like, Nate Lambert, just every week, you just you know you can depend on him being at the right place at the right time. And just for him to get that punch out, which was like a yeah, vintage yeah. force fumble, just beautiful to see. And man, he, he just he's just him and D offer to me are like just two guys that anytime they make a play, you just have to smile because they just really emerge as consistent players. Like you could put them on the field 50, 55 snaps a game, and you know you could depend on them. They've proven yeah. at this point. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I mean, David Onyemata, again, just absolutely that last just crushing it. It's like, like Grady Jarrett has been quieter, and I think people are like, oh, what's going on with him? Like, Grady Jarrett's eating all these double teams, and David Onyemata is just annihilating those single He, he had a great teams. start, though, Grady Jarrett. Yeah, he Good did. Boy, He's been playing well. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say. another zip code. Yeah. Even no, like, Grady Jarrett's been playing well. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. even when he gets his one-on-ones, I mean, good grief that you want to call – this holding, this ticky-tack, this, this ticky-tack, yeah, that. Yeah. There are two plays on one drive. Grady makes a great inside move on the rookie guard for Tampa. No holding call. Okay. Yep. I guess that makes sense. And then the other play, 
How in the world have you ever seen someone get their helmet taken off? Yeah, it, flies it comes flying backwards off. behind yeah. the offensive line, and there's not a legal hands to the face. I mm. had never seen anything no. like that before. No. Where it's one of those things where, look, you know, you know, usually when you need to call holding, even if you if you missed the call, you didn't see it. What does an offensive lineman do? Yep. Hands yeah. up. Oh, right. yeah. That, yeah. Hands that up. means it's a hold. I didn't do it. <laughs> it's a hold. Yeah. Aaron, I, was I would think yeah. that. If a defensive lineman's helmet flies off the way it did, that would be a clear-cut sign of hands to the face. So how that doesn't get called, I yeah. I just don't know. But again, it's Grady Jarrett and Raymond James Stadium. We've seen the story before. We've seen the story too many times. It's frustrating as yeah. hell. But yeah, not to slander Grady Jarrett at all. He's having a good season. But that those two together, it's like you, it's pick your poison. You know, it's just like if you're gonna double Grady, get ready for Anyamata to take your lunch. If you're gonna t- double Gra- uh, Anyamata, then Grady's coming. So like. Man, if they, they just had a great edge rusher. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Do you, do you think people may be saying this about Grady just because the defensive line, how collectively well they're playing? Because, like, to me, I thought this arguably might have been Clay Campbell's best game. Uh, LaCale London, I'm intrigued yeah. to see the film. I thought he popped up a few times just well, as his yeah. here. Like, So they're getting good performances. And, like, let, uh, Lorenzo Carter popped up a few times. Bud Dupree's got a couple pressures. Like, I think the reason, and I'd like to hear your two, uh, your two guys' input on this, is just maybe Gray Jarrett's not getting quite the buzz. Is just because there's actually defensive line to talk yeah. about now. He's not the He's only not player on the defense. Right. Yeah, <laughs> four or five guys we could mention now. What do you guys think? No, I agree. Um, I I think that you have no Campbell idea has... how happy it makes me. Yeah, you have yeah. no idea. No, it, I mean, it's it's great. Yeah, all like I'm saying is, on Tristan Works that was so yeah. clean. And then Dan Baker Mayfield just had a run yeah. for twenty yards. So yeah. the thing with yeah. that, and I'll and I'll get more into it, uh, you know, when we when we do trench talk, it wasn't that clean because he kind of spun like a top. It yeah. wasn't so. I, I remember I highlighted in the preseason, Arnold Ebicady had a strip sack and fumble recovery in a spin move that he did against um, Miami. That's your perfect spin move where you're getting upfield when you hit that spin, you're still full speed. Boom, you hit the quarterback. This one is like I, I think worse got enough of them. So when he spun, he still wasn't going full full momentum. So then it's like he had to pick speed back up. And since he went inside yeah. and didn't win cleanly, that's what gave Baker that that space outside. And the thing for me is that we know how much Baker Mayfield loves extend plays. He's done it ever yeah. since he was at yeah. Oklahoma. Keep him. I I like with quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield. Keep him in the pocket. Yes. Try to make him beat us because I really do. Yeah. I really do think like he had he had some some solid completions this game. I'd rather see him inside the pocket in that situation. Yeah. Try to let him throw game. like, like just keep the contain, let him throw. Uh, because yeah. like that he was, he's been making plays for the bucks all year with his legs. And and that was really the only one he made in this game, unfortunately for the Falcons. But um, you know, it, they, that's really been, we've seen it. Like he, he's just kind of a, a middling passer at this point. And, and I don't think he played poorly in this game necessarily. It's just, um, you know, I think the Falcons defense did a great job. Um, and you know you, you you can't give up something like that on a third and nine. Like you, you got to to prevent mm-hmm. that sort of play from happening. You know the coverage is deep. Trust your coverage to make the play. Like you're putting pressure on him. You don't have to be the hero. Just let him let him throw that ball. Like like keep pushing Worf's back. Let him throw that ball. And then if he tries to scramble, then you're you're in much better position. But yeah, when you turn the turn your back to the quarterback like that and and try to hit that spin after. It seemed like that was sort of like a he hit the like you know, oh shit button you know like I'm not I haven't won this rep yet I need to hit this spin it's like well it, that's not the time to try to hit that spin like you need to just play it out at that point but yeah, yeah. I got, I got, I got, 
either there. I just it just looked cool, but yeah, yeah I'm I'm, I'm reliving cool. it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just, I mean, it also just felt like the majority of the game plan this game um, was to keep Baker in the pocket, make him beat you there. Again, you know, he leads the league the last few years in batted passes. So even if you don't get home, you'll be fine there. So that's where that's where I was kind of confused. Well, not confused, but it was like, oh, if you're gonna do it, you better win it cleanly. Um, and he couldn't, but uh. I got to head out here real quick. Appreciate you guys always for having me Excellent. on. Everybody in the chat, like I said, I'm I'm watching y'all the whole time on my phone. So I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm like, don't don't think your your comments are going unnoticed. We appreciate y'all. And I just had this one question though before I leave. At what point do you like? I think this is one one spot that I know some people talked about. At what point do we move on from Mike Hughes as a punt returner? Uh, now Ooh. like ucf legend okay like so you know <laughs> you know that like i i'm giving him more credit than most but he's not providing anything um which is weird considering he was an amazing college returner he's been bad in the nfl i, I don't know what happened but he just doesn't go for it maybe he's being coached to be really conservative but i, I like i know they don't want to play deal i think dealford actually looks pretty good but they don't want to play him there because he's actually starting on defense so I, I don't know who else they would go to there. I know it, it looked like maybe they had a chance with Godwin Iguabuike, but he's he's elsewhere now. Um, I don't know who else they have. I mean, Scotty Miller, I, I don't know. Scotty Miller. I, well, I that's what I thought we were going to see more of when you brought Van Jefferson. It's like, all right, well, you're right. not going to use him on offense, so you might as well put him back there. And then, of course, here we go, 48-yard bomb to him you know, early on in the game. So Yeah, there makes, you go. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Just because but anyway, y'all take care, man. Yes, thanks, Jordan. We'll see you. See you soon on Trench yeah. Talk, guys. He is Big 75 fella. Thanks to Jordan for his contributions today. Uh, we're going to go a little bit longer just because we got a few more donations here. Uh, Kevin, you know what I want to mention quickly? He's kind of like yeah. the, the Dominique Franks 2.0 as a return. Remember when Dominique Franks <laughs> yeah. was a return? And yeah. he took Fair no catch Franks. Risk. Yep, yep. Yeah, it just doesn't. It looks ugly, man. It it just looks timid and and it's not good. Like and like no one's gonna be Avery Williams, like NFL's arguably best punt returner. And like I get that, but I I think you could find somebody at this point. Like I mean, it, it's just let's, not let's great. Get some yeah, yeah let's, it's just anything like some speed at least. Like I I don't know what's going on there, but it's it's not it's not looking good. Um, we got a couple more donations here. Thanks so much, guys. We got Justin Knight again. Uh, he says with the two dollars, realistic moves we can should make by the deadline. You guys know what I'm gonna say. Set offer the Vikings a second round pick for Daniel Hunter. If someone offers a first, you let them do it. You know, but if 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 make an offer, offer them a second round pick for Daniel Hunter. That would take this defense to a whole different level. Uh, he's the he is the perfect piece. Like he is literally 28 years old. You have the money to pay him. And you're not getting a player as good as him in the draft. So take him, send a second round pick, see if you can get him, um, and just throw him into this defense and just watch what happens. So, Great. yeah. Well, we got to hope for tomorrow night. Kyle Shannon whips up his one of those masterpieces of a yeah. game, 40 point burger. Tuesday morning, Minnesota, they're in full sell mode. Let's get the deal done by Wednesday. Yeah, I wish they would have lost last week because then after that 49ers game, they would have had basically just it's time for fire sale. But, um, yeah, we'll see. And it would be especially good because then they would lose Daniel Hunter for the game against the Falcons. So it would be, it would be like a plus minus thing where not only do they, do we get Daniel Hunter, but we take him off the Vikings. So it's even better. Yeah. The, the deadlines got what well, sometime in late October, right? I think it's after this next game. I think it's like immediately following the next game. Um, I think it's, it's like right around, I think it's Halloween. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would take, uh, I would definitely go for Daniel Hunter. Is there anybody you would be interested in, Alan? Maybe it is Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter is the guy. Um, I know some people mentioned Frank Clark, but to me, Frank Clark's just Bud Dupree at this point. Like, kind of yeah, passes yeah. on, makes those. He might make an effort play here or there, but he's not winning one on one. Like, I'm enjoying Bud Dupree, but Bud Dupree at this guy at this point is curious. Just a high motor guy, decent against the yeah. run, and you know, he could bring something against overmatched tackles. But he, Frank Clark hasn't won in years, and like. You know, I would have loved to see him get Randy Gregor because I think Gregory has promised, but what are you going to do? To me, at this point, if you're looking at teams that are going to sell, it's it's the Neil Hunter. Yeah, I, I think that's the one that's most likely. I don't think anyone else really moves the needle. I mean, maybe if you could get Sweat or Chase Young, but like that's going to be way more expensive. I think Daniel Hunter is sort of the perfect match of like price point and fit. Um, so I also think the commands, they're kind of coaching for their jobs. Like, yeah, I, yeah. It's a bad look if the, like I know. I don't think they're going to. Yeah, so it's just yeah. And it'll probably take a first to get those guys. So I mean, I, I would rather go for the second with Hunter, um, and and see if you can get that done. And if someone offers a first, then so be it. But um, at least put in an offer for that second because you're there's a chance you're getting a second for Ridley or you're getting a third for Ridley. So like, even if you trade that second, you should have two thirds at worst. So you you've still yeah. got some day two picks. You already know, less need. First round pick, time to go to work. There you go. <laughs> so that one, good good question there, though, Justin. Then we got Swampy with the $5 saying, do you think Akuda gets his new contract here or elsewhere next offseason? That one's really tough um, because AJ Terrell's also up at the same time. Now, they, they have the money to pay two guys those contracts if they chose to do that. Um my instinct would be that they would probably let Akuda walk for a big contract. Um, if, if it was that big, it, it also depends on how he plays this season, but like, he's got the injury history. He is young. He does have that draft pedigree. So it's not out of the question that he, if he plays great the rest of the season, someone comes with some like mega deal. Um, but you know, it, it's tough because you're going to have a lot of money next year. You're likely to be spending again. So you're probably not getting a comp pit back for, for Akuda. So, you know, you're probably not really wanting to let him go if you can help it but it also depends on how much you know his offers are um but again like you know we'll have to see how it plays out over the rest of the season to know for sure but he certainly could get a new contract here um yeah can we talk about the second a little bit because i thought this was yeah, probably yeah. their top performance and look you're going against evans and godwin they're going to make it look silly a few times but i don't know how frustrating were those penalties because i think it ended up being like five penalties on the secondary yeah what you make of it I mean, some of them were ticky tack. Some of them were legit. I mean, it's just like they did. They were right to do it, though. Like that's what I'll, I'll say. Like that's how you have to play Mike Evans. You you can't let him get away with his bullshit. Like you, you can't. He's gonna commit OPI constantly. He's gonna be all up in your face. You have to play him like that too. And maybe you'll get called for it sometimes, but you have to do it, or else he's gonna just dominate you both physically and mentally. Because he'll he'll get away with it. The corner typically won't. So AJ Terrell. Had that big play given up early where it looked like he stumbled. You know, it's unfortunate. Um, and that was probably OPI as well. It looked like Evans hit him with the shoulder. So, like, I mean, again, he's going to get away with it most of the time because he's Mike Evans. But um, that's how you have to play him. And I, I thought they did not back down. They continued to play these guys physical. I think they had a really good game plan for for uh, Chris Godwin where they, they, some, they, were, they were passing him off over the middle to the linebackers sometimes. Um, and, you know, Nate Lamon had that great play to, to tackle him short of the first down they really didn't let the bucks take over the game with their passing which 
that's what they have to do because their run game is just atrocious. The Falcons were basically giving them free runs up the middle with how they were playing on sometimes, and they were just like confident that like, yeah, well, we'll be able to make the tackle after five yards, and, and we're not afraid of your run game at all. It's kind of like the opposite to how teams play the Falcons. They're just like Falcons are like, yeah, go ahead and try to run Bucks. We don't we don't care. Like, go for it. Um, no, but yeah, and Jeff, I mean, you could see it. Like the corners were tackling super well on the outside. Um, Akuda had like several great run stops. I thought this was probably Akuda's best game. Um, and AJ Terrell yeah. bounced back from that bad play early on. And look, they, they didn't let these guys intimidate them, which is what Mike Evans wants to do. It's a mental game out there at corner. And I thought Terrell responded to that challenge very well. And like Richie Grant, UCF legend, that, that pick was absolutely critical to the outcome of this game. So shout out to Richie Grant uh, for, for getting that one on the board. Yeah, they were just resilient like because it was a rough start. But Terrell, because you got to look at the coverage stacks because I think out of the three sacks, two of them were coverage. Like Lorenzo Carr was definitely one and Anya Ma was one. The only like real legit you know, one sack was probably the one that Clyas Campbell had. So you got to think they respond well. And I think the, the drive where Grant had the pick, Kuda had this clean pass breakup on Chris Godwin. Like, we're talking about high-level corn play. And then he had a yeah. great two-string tackle on Rashad White. I think he was trying to turn the quarter, and he held it to, like, a no gain. And it's Kuda is just a physical presence. And yeah. He's so long. Like, mm-hmm. He's a joy to watch, and you could see this why. This is what he was people were thinking. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. He's reaching his potential now. And it's just like, – like secretary's going to take their lumps, especially against a team like Tampa, but – I thought the second half, like it showed why this defense was so dominant in the second half. It's just time and time again, whether it's pass breakups or keeping guards. Because I thought Evans was pretty quiet in the second half. I don't recall yeah. him doing much. And the only big play Goblin had was on D. Alford. D. Alford stumbled and but that's just going to happen sometimes. So yeah, no, D. Alford played second. well too. Jesse Bates. Yeah. I thought Richie Grant had a pretty good game overall. Like, I mean, it, the secondary is playing super well. Like every every one of those guys is playing great. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, it look, it, it just, it just works. You know, it, it just works. Like it comes together. They, it's like they don't have an elite finishing pass rush. Like the edge pressure is not there consistently. They do have that great interior pressure that frequently is going to push the quarterback out. And the edge guys are typically good enough to like clean it up. But like, it's it's enough. Like they're getting pressure, and that's enough to force slightly off throws. And then the secondary is good enough to shut that down. Like to get the pass breakups to keep guys from getting wide open most of the time. And Nobody's perfect, right? I mean, it, it, Terrell, Terrell, and it, Mike Evans is is Terrell's kryptonite. Like he just yeah. works Terrell typically, which is why I was surprised that Akuda wasn't getting that matchup because, like, why is Akuda here if not to match up on these monstrous receivers given his size? But I get that they trust Terrell as their one and they want him to to shadow the ones, and that's fine for the most part. It's literally just you know that one <laughs> that one matchup is just bad for Terrell. But um, he's good. Yeah, he's got to be right next week, though, because like you want to talk about guys that get away with OPIs, DeAndre Hopkins, he's the king ass. <laughs> like, you're yeah. going from Evans to Hopkins. Like, to me, those are the two savvy, big physical receivers, Evans and Hopkins. So, yeah. Thankfully, we might be cool. getting uh, we might be getting Will Levis next week. So, you know, <gasps> might not have to worry too much about it. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, other thing I wanted to ask you, because we were talking about the, the just pressure in general before. Did you notice, like, a big change? Like, they came out hot in the first quarter with – yeah. No safety blitzes. You saw Jesse Bates, and that's how they got the stop on fourth down. I think um, Halem's had a moment. Like, they were blitzing heavy. And then you saw a lot of three-man pressures, and then I just felt like they didn't really blitz much the rest of the game. What did yeah. you make of that? I think they were trying to adjust to the, the Mike Evans deep play. They wanted uh, to leave the safeties back to give additional help there. 
and so they they cooled off on the play. I think they were they were sort of my guess is they were saying our, our pressure is getting close enough that we don't need to take risks uh, with the blitzes. I, I'm guessing if the Falcons got down at some point, they probably would have started to get more aggressive with the blitzing again to try to force something. But I think they just I think Nielsen just has so much faith in the secondary and so much faith in the front four to just get it done somehow. It, like it's not necessarily going to be beautiful. It's not going to be this insane pressure sack, beautiful stuff. But it's like they just have the coverage guys and they have the guys up front to make it really difficult. It's just like down to down. The Falcons' defense is so good down to down. Like you can get some plays. Like you can you can find a coverage bust. You can get a deep throw in. But they're just so good down to down that they just they make you work for it. Like literally, you have to work your ass off to score against this defense. And and it's just. And you see, this is what happened against the Bucks. Like, they just sort of play what they need to do. They play what they need to play. They get what they need to get. And then they just wait for offenses to make mistakes. Like, and if you make a mistake against this defense, you're in big trouble. Because they're they're so hard to move the ball on, even if you're doing things correctly. Um, and they, they took advantage, to their credit. So. And with and with this run defense, you're going you're gonna to force teams into second and third and long. So that's another yeah, thing, which yeah. plays into their hands. And... I love what Nielsen does blitzing wise. It seems like they're relying more on the safeties and the linebackers ever since Troy Anderson went down. But you know, I'm sure Kate Nelson sometime will have his moments too. Yeah, well, I thought I had a really yeah. good game. He's been a little quiet recently, but man, Kate Nellis made some big stops in run games. Yeah, getting that stability there at linebacker has been huge. Given the variance of Troy Anderson, I think it would have been even more significant. But now you've got late Nate, uh, Nate Lamon in there, who's just been just as good, if not better, than Ellis, which is shocking. Um, so it's just the linebacker duo has been great. It's really wet. It's made weathering the loss of Trey Anderson a lot easier to handle, which is good because that that one could have been catastrophic for a team that people thought didn't have any linebacker depth going into the season. Yeah. Thankfully, Nate Lamon has made us all look silly on that take. So um, let me get uh, Jason Gaines here with the $2. He says, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, Ritter is the first quarterback in, in 45 years to have three red zone fumbles and still win the game. So I'll take that dub, but Ritter definitely needs to clean up the turnovers. He leads the league with 12 on the season. That is correct. He does. Um, we got Gary Stafford with the $5. Thanks, Gary. He says, this team seems close to putting it all together. I know it's hard to be patient, but this is how it goes when you transform from bad to good with a lot of young players. Yes, that, that does happen. Like, that's what I, that's what we were saying sort of earlier in the show is like, we're getting the growing pains now. And I, I feel like we could have gotten them towards the end of last season instead, but they chose to try to go all out and, and win with Marcus Mariota, which was doomed. Um, and it didn't work out. And now we're, we're having to deal with it this year, but hopefully it'll be okay. They're four and three heading into week eight, their first place in the division. You know, it's sort of like, look, it's been ugly. It's been tough, but your first place in the division that, so if we can, if they can just start playing well now, it's sort of no harm, no foul, because it's like, well, we got the whole, we still got plenty of time. We're in first place right now. All we got to do is take care of business. They don't have to make up ground. So it's they've been fortunate that nobody else in this division has played well. So <laughs> yeah. And they got some favorable games coming up. So yes. hopefully this is when we see the offense really kicking the stride because you look at the you mentioned the next three games. It's you can really can ask for much better games. You should expect two and one at least, um, I would think. So yeah. and like honestly, probably three and zero. Oh. But it's tough to win on the road in the NFL. They do have two road games. Um so like Probably two and one is the most realistic, but you know. And it's a fast and look, it's the it's the homecoming. It's a very fascinating matchup next week, head coaching wise. And look, say we want about the times, but you know Mike Rabel's gonna bring it. And you know, I thought I thought Ritter really helped 
which you want to give her another credit here, going against top bowls is defense. It's no easy test. And I thought he handled the pressure really well at times. He did. So, he did. Because um, he's going to be ready. He has to go against Vrabel's defense next week. But uh, there's reasons to be optimistic. We know that. By the way, I don't know if we 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 just keep him at such a high standard. But there has not been not one mention for Young Way Koo. I know he's, yeah. look, legend. Put some respect. He's, he's in the next, <laughs> but damn it, man, this was a time period not too long ago. People were questioning is he's still at the upper echelon. He made that 51-yard kick. Yeah. Yeah. No doubts about it, man. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just, another one. I just, I just know he's so good, Alan. So I don't even. He, yeah. he just doesn't even need the praise because he just knows. But no, absolutely. Like Young Way Koo, elite game. Um, just like that's what I'm saying. Like that was one thing that I that I sort of came to during the game, which was like, look, I know this will probably be the last point too because I know we're, we've been here for a while, guys. So we want to respect your time too. But um, like. Arthur Smith wants us to be a super aggressive offense. They want to go for it on fourth down when they're in plus territory. They want to go for it on fourth and goal, that sort of thing. But I'm just wondering, like, given how good the defense is and given how good the kicker is and given how close some of these games have been, I almost start to wonder if, like, just kick the field goals. Like, because your defense is so good. Just whittle the team down, like, chip away, Three points, three points, three. Like if they had just kicked a field goal in this game, they would have won like twenty six to to thirteen, like or, or twenty three to thirteen or something like that. Like they they would have had like nine more points just from taking the field goal. Um, now that's I mean, ridiculous, obviously. It, but yeah. remember, there's a fourth and one, and they kicked the field goal, and yeah. some people were pissed. And it's like it was critical. Running, yeah. running on Vita Vea and all of them, I'm yeah. just like, ah, let's go. Because look, I thought they ran the ball well, but. It's just a short yard situation. You got Vita Vea. Vita Vea is the most mammoth human being in the league. We know how much of a record he is. I'm yes. Like, pick the three points. Yeah. And I know we hate being conservative, but at that point, do it. It's it's like they may just need to do that. Like until this offense can get its shit together and stop screwing up all the time. Like, especially in the red zone. Like, just take the points. Like, take the points because this defense is so good. Like, if you can just start stacking field goals, that that is probably going to win the game most of the time especially against some of these teams you're about to come up against that are just really not very good. Like, you know, the Titans, like if they're starting Will Levis, like just take the field goals. Like you don't, you don't need to score in the red zone every time against this Titans team to beat Will Levis. Just start stack, stack those field goals, stack up the points wherever you can and just put them behind, behind the eight ball and, and grind it out. And, and this is a grinded out team this year. This is at this point, I don't think this is a high flying, you know, 30 plus point a game offense. Maybe there's a chance we get there by the time the season's over. But like at this point you grind it out, you, you take those field goals and, and you you're happy if you come away with, with a 16 you know, to 13 win. <laughs> you know, I slightly disagree just because they're producing more explosive plays through the air. Yeah. And it's just like we talk about, if they just did not turn the ball over in the red zone, this team could be yeah. scoring high. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. like you look at the Scotty Miller play, a couple of the Kyle Pitts moments, you know, Drake London's getting into rhythm now every week. Like if that's nothing, like it's great to see. You just, after how hopeless they looked at the times against the Lions and Jaguars, it's like, all right, Drake London, we're going to get between 50, 70 yards, maybe 100 yards a week now. Kyle Pitts, he'll get around 50. It's just good that ah, just the passing game, there's chunk plays being made there, which it just was not there a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, uh, that's why I don't think I think we should have higher expectations for them. We should have been a grinded out team. I just it's just red zone efficiency, man. <laughs> yeah. So they they better fix it. And and Arthur's yeah. not gonna change his philosophy, and he shouldn't because I'm bitching at him. But like 
man, it's like you, you got to get to the point where it's like we shouldn't be saying like, oh, if we just kick field goals, we would score more points. Like, because all you got to do is just score one touchdown, and then you're you're covering for multiple field goal attempts. So like, just get it done. You know, fix it, get it done, please. Like, if, like if you watch the replay of this game, which I know we both will, and a lot of people like that, like they're rid of throw on third down to London, and he's hit that back shoulder throw numerous times. Yeah. Like he just did not place the ball nope, well there. He put it ahead of London, and you just give him the DB a chance. If he just puts a slightly to the shoulder, it's like London has that massive frame. He knows that make contested catches, easy touchdown. It's just those types of moments where you're just like ah. Yeah, but, it's frustrating. It's frustrating stuff there, but. Yeah, they're close. So that's what I, that's what I felt coming into this game. That they were close, and I, I don't know that I would say they took another step, but at least the offense is like functional week to week now, which was not what we could say in weeks three and four. They they've been stringing together drives. They've been getting into the red zone. They've been doing what they need to do. And once again today, the the Falcons' offense puts up over four hundred yards for the third straight game, I believe. So, um, you know that that's not a fluke. Like they are moving the ball. Now they need to start scoring goddamn points. <laughs> like, please, for the love of God, can we get some goddamn points? Um, but before we sign off, guys, do you want to bring you a quick check-in on my prize picks this week? Which, unfortunately, uh, not so great. Mostly because Bijan Robinson just completely hosed us. Uh, because because he got that carry. So prize picks actually would have invalidated the Bijan uh, one if he didn't get any any sort of, like, carries. But because he took that one stupid carry or catch or whatever the hell it was, uh, they, they, yeah. they had to play him. So that ruined it. We would have gotten two thirds of the, of the, of the thing. If it, that had not been the case, but we did nail the other two, uh, young way over six and a half kicking points or more than, excuse me, six and a half kicking points. Um, he had seven with his field goals. That one at the end got us home. Of course. Um, I think that he actually had, had more because of that, so that's great. And then uh, I had Rashad White under 48 and a half rushing yards. He was nowhere close. I think he had 30-something. Um, so, you know, less than 48 and a half rushing yards. Uh, so, you know, <clears throat> Arthur Smith's B. John Robinson usage really screwed us there as usual. But uh, appreciate Prize Picks for sponsoring the show, guys, just in case you're not aware. Prize Picks is a skill-based daily fantasy game. You can pick up to two to six players and decide if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. The more you pick, the more you can win all the way up to 25 times your money on any entry. And at prize picks, unlike other daily fantasy, you aren't competing against other players. It's just you versus the projections. Prize picks also has a generous promotion schedule. Right now, they're running a pretty good one. Uh, if you're an NBA fan, they are doing a Steph Curry over half a point or more than half a point or whatever the the phrasing is on prize picks. I believe it's more than. Um, so you can take that as basically a free square because I think we all know Steph Curry is getting more than half a point uh, in his debut. So you can take that, add that to any of your other prize picks as basically just a free square to help multiply your potential winnings. Keep an eye on that. Like I said, not just NFL, they're doing NBA as that starts up, MLB, college football, basketball, all that good stuff. And the best part, prize picks entries can be made within 60 seconds or less, and they offer fast withdrawals. It's that easy. Just make sure if you're signing up for the first time to use our promo code DBB, that will get you a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That means if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will match and give you another $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Just make sure to use that promo code DBB. And uh, thanks again to Prize Picks for sponsoring today's show. So, Alan, any any final takes before we sign off on today's show? 
Yeah, I think we di- I think we dissected everything. Like I'm happy we did like a full breakdown. I think there's a lot to be thrilled about with this team. It's just, you know, just <laughs> they make more it fish. hard. Yeah, yeah, they make it hard. But I think there's a lot to be encouraged by. And hopefully these next three games, like this is the real favorable sh- stretch. Hopefully this team just starts hanging stride because uh, if you could take any sort of inspiration from other teams, obviously we didn't watch the game, but if you saw Twitter and saw the scoreboard, you know, for weeks now the Ravens have kind of not – they've kind of beat themselves. Like if you look at the Steelers game, you look at what's the other bad loss they had. The Colts game, like they've beat themselves, and offensively they just had bad mistakes, drops, turnovers at the worst periods of times. You hope – and now today – they put it all together against a really good Lions team. You hope the Falcons maybe could take some things from the Ravens where it's just like, okay, there's clear promise here. There's clear productivity. Can we just play a mistake-free game? Like, the Falcons have not played a mistake-free game all season. Oh, yeah. Sorry. But no, no against the Texans, they made a mistake. They did. That yeah, that, that one. Yeah. Bijan that one fumble. Yeah. Like, That's true. And That's true. Other than Carolina, but I thought there was pass protection breakdowns. Like, besides that, every game this year, they've made – crucial errors so there's gonna come a point there's just gotta be a point where they're gonna play a clean game and they're gonna put up over 30 points and we're just gonna enjoy it and with defense they've set the blueprint like it's it's a beautiful thing man be appreciative of what we're watching like after years of just hoping now it's just like they set a standard where you expect them they're gonna bring it and you just gotta marvel at it like i can't get enough of clay's campbell he's like my like every week there's a new defensive player i'm like oh i love watching play like Clay Campbell, obviously, he's a legend, but just to see what he's doing at his age and just against the run, like you learn to appreciate edge defending when you watch Clay Campbell. So. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. and, and I, I really like that they're getting him more pass rushing opportunities on the inside because, look, we all love Clay Campbell. Like, I'm not going to. Mm. I'm not going to tell him he can't play on the edge. Like, that's not that's not for me to do. Like, I'm not going to. You try walking up to Clay Campbell and right, he can't do something. But um, as a pass rusher, He's he's still good as an interior pass rusher. Like as an edge rusher, he's a great run defender. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but like it's just it's asking a lot to expect him to cover a lot of ground out there like that. On the interior, still a really good pass rusher, and I think that's where he should be deployed more in those third down situations. But um, yeah, love Clayus Campbell. Really happy we have him. Of course, um, we got we got Hal Snipes the second with two dollar donation. Thank you, Hal. He says. Would you consider signing uh, Ben Jones or and or Lyle Collins? Um, at this point, I think Ben Jones is like more or less retired. I don't. I don't think he wants to play. I, I like you're telling me the Giants haven't tried to sign Ben Jones. Like I, <laughs> I don't believe it. Like I believe they've tried. I don't think he's interested in playing. Um, okay. Yeah, and then Lyle Collins. I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't think that. I don't think the Falcons are interested. It's he's gonna he's asking for a lot of money. If he wasn't asking for a lot of money, someone would have signed him already. But he's asking for big money, um, which is a bold choice considering it's the middle of the season. So I think there's a decent chance Leal Collins doesn't sign and just tries to cash in in free agency because teams just don't have a lot of money right now. They don't have a lot of flexibility without moving money around, doing contract restructures, that sort of stuff. Um, so I just yeah, I don't see it. But do, do you think they make any of those moves, Alan? No, nah, I think that'd be unnecessary. Look, for, for criticism, we have Kale McGarry. I think McGarry's starting to play better the last few games. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then we got one final one. Please please no more, guys, because we're trying to sign off. If, if you do do one now, we'll, we'll have to get to it on the next show. I apologize. but uh, Which is a nice problem to have. Thank you for that. But uh, just letting you guys know. We got Craig Thomas with the $5. Thank you, Craig. He says, 
Do you think Falcons fans are harder on Ritter because he was a third round pick? Seems like he has. Goddamn George, he just puts one in just right after I say that. Wow. Uh, seems like Ritter has a shorter leash with fans than anyone else on the team. I think that's part of it. Like, if he was a first round pick, people would sort of be like, well, he has to play. He's our first round pick. We have to see. I think since he's a third round, third round pick, people are like, oh, well, we can just move on. It's no big deal. But. I mean, and there's something to that, right? Like, they're not as committed to him as they would be if he was a first-rounder. But, um, yeah, his draft stock has led to a lot of takes, um, and it will continue to do so. So, and it's a sort of, it's up to him to change the narrative there. <laughs> I think it's a valid point. I just think when you're turning the ball over, it's, yeah, yeah, the fan base is going to turn on you. Like, like yeah. even before the game against the Jaguars, like, we saw those turnover-worthy plays. If you were watching the Falcons during the season, particularly that Packers game, it just – there were very concerning signs. Like you saw red flags, and now the past month outside the Houston game, it's it's culminated into a disaster. So while I do think the draft stock has played a factor, it's just look, you can't expect to people be behind you when you're turning the ball over this frequently. It's simple as that. Yeah, yeah, and I and like look, like Ritter's gonna have to clean it up, but like this is his audition for the future, and like everyone is hoping that he works out, myself included. I'm sure Alan's wanting it to work out. If you're not wanting Ritter to work out, you're you're a fool. You're an imbecile because you don't want the Ritter, Falcons in the playoffs then. Yeah, like you don't like, want to see good football. But like I don't understand why you'd be rooting against Ritter for any reason because if Ritter works out, you get a a, a starting quarterback on a third round contract for another couple of years, which is fantastic. You you've solved your biggest issue, which was the quarterback position. And like like why would you not want it to work out? Like if you don't think it's gonna work out, that's different. But if you're just like rooting against Ritter Come on, man. Like, uh, why would you not want this to work out? This would be the best case scenario if it could work out. And the jury's very much still out. Like, absolutely. We're not really, I don't think we're any closer to knowing if Ritter can do it or not. Right now, he's in that sort of like bucket of like, well, he's making plays, but he's also turning the ball over at an absurd rate. So, like, that's also not going to work. It's a different flavor of not working that at least is more fun than being completely inept on offense and turning the ball over. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we should be hoping it. We should be hoping for Ritter to, to hit the ground running here. And yes, I, I do think that people are more harsh on him because he's their round pick. But, you know, he's also deserving of some criticism. So it is, it just, it is what it is. Um, then we got, okay, this is the last one, though. Just just because George is George. But George with the $2 says, I'm calling it now. Brock Bowers is the picks next year. Let's get the Bowers train started. Choo-choo. No, George, no. We're not doing this again. Like, no, no more tight ends, okay? We've got enough. We've got all the tight ends we need. We got Johnny and Pitts. Okay, we, we're set. We're set at tight. End. <laughs> man. Damn Georgia, man! Like, leave us alone, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, you want to invite that chaos in now? Like, just even more chaos there. But, um, yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Today's show was, of course, brought to you by Bet Online and Prize Picks. Uh, appreciate everyone for hanging out and enduring this very difficult, very. Uh, ugly win, but it is a win. It's a critical one. A massive one. Yeah, uh, it's big for the division. We're obviously going to talk more about those implications as the week goes on on thefalcoholic.com and elsewhere. Before we sign off, want to thank, of course, my co-host tonight, Alan Sturk, at Alan Sturk, for his contributions. Alan, anything else you'd like to share before we sign off? Oops. Got a lot of content prepared for this weekend. We're, we're, we're in full force right now. Exciting times ahead. Absolutely. Lots of stuff coming, guys. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, please like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Really helps us out. Appreciate that. 
If you're listening to the podcast audio, please leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Check out the Patreon if you want those exclusive patron perks, patreon.com slash Live, and check out our community Discord server, the link to which is in the show description. Guys, thank you so much for enduring this team with us for one more week. We will be back, of course, uh, early next week for the next episode of Trench Talk featuring Jordan Watkins. He was here today as well. Break dive into the trenches a little bit more on this one. And then, of course, we'll be back on Wednesday night for the next Falco Hawk Live. Until then, folks, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next time on the Falco Hawk Live. Have a great day. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.